He had something else to say, but wasn't sure whether he should. Finally, he plunged ahead. I just gotta tell you this, man. Sometimes I read your stories and, well, I just feel so sorry for you. I laughed and assured him it was fine, which was true. When I first started writing for Field and Stream, I saw that the expert end of its masthead was overpopulated. The other end, a place for amateurs with more passion than proficiency, for guys who fail more often than they succeed, was wide open. It was here that by inclination and experience I planted my flag. I confess that Doug's remark captured what I do in a way I hadn't heard before. But in time, I came to see it as an affirmation and compliment. At its best, my writing makes people whom the world often judges as failures feel better about themselves. I think there's a certain nobility in that. Part 1. Chasing the Chrome When the steelhead are running, nothing else matters to Mikey Dvorak. Not money, not manners, not even where he's going to sleep at night. What matters is finding a biting steely somewhere, anywhere on the West Coast. We went along for the ride. The first time I met Mikey Dvorak, he asked if he could borrow fifty bucks. At the time, I thought he was a bum. I still think he's a bum, but in the same way that an itinerant Buddhist monk is a bum. Except Mikey's spiritual path was chasing steelhead. I met Mikey through Kirk Lombard, a hardcore angler in San Francisco, who told me that if I really wanted to meet a true fishing nomad, I should meet Mikey, a steelhead addict who had no fixed address and never seemed to have more than a few bucks on him. But it didn't seem to bother him. All he cares about is being where the fish are, Kirk said. That's why Mikey often slept in his truck. Not on a pad in the back so he could stretch out, but upright in the driver's seat because the rest of the truck was too full of gear. And he's such a maniac that he sleeps on the ramp. I'm afraid I don't follow. When Mikey's steelhead fishing, he wants to be the first guy on the river. So the night before, he backs his drift boat down the ramp, puts the truck in park, and conks out. The next morning, the first guy at the ramp finds Mikey there. The guy is pissed and bangs on Mikey's window to wake him up. At which point, Mikey wakes, apologizes, and launches. So he's on the river ahead of anybody else. I had to meet this guy. A few days later, the three of us headed down the California coast to chase white sea bass, a highly mobile fish that migrates up from Baja, California, as the ocean warms in spring. We hoped to intercept some around Monterey. I dug myself a hole in the back seat of Mikey's truck, which was crammed to the roof with fishing and camping gear, as well as a great deal of stuff that should have been in a landfill. Mikey said that the police had recently stopped him on this very stretch of road because his truck fit the profile of a meth user's vehicle. The cops had searched it thoroughly. Actually, Mikey said, the stop had been a good thing. The cops turned up tackle that he'd given up for lost. I was already captivated by the guy. 
He named every bird we saw at surprising distances, and when I asked how, he explained that he was doing it by the bird's flight characteristics, which were generally more distinctive than markings. He talked about all kinds of fish, their life cycles, what biologists knew, and what they still hadn't figured out. It was just outside Monterey that he asked for the fifty bucks. I gave him the money, but I also pointed out that I was leaving in three days and asked how he proposed to pay me back. No problem, he said. I just need a battery for the boat. You're losing me, Mikey. Oh, right, he said, as if the connection were so obvious that he hadn't bothered to explain. We need the battery, so we buy one, fish for two days, and then return it for the refund. In my world, owning a motorboat implied that you also owned the battery needed to start the motor. In Mikey's world, I soon realized...